You know, if you're taking a walk down a, a wooded path on a beautiful morning in Arkansas, uh, there's lots to see. There's lots to admire. Uh, the leaves are really now starting to change from green to yellow to that burnt orange and red. And uh, you may see rock formations and boulders uh, along the way. Uh, it's it's a really a, a sight to behold. But the trail's taking you somewhere. It may be taking you to a big cave, maybe taking you to a waterfall, or this grand overlook. And uh, over these last uh, several weeks, really the last month or so, um, we have explored the principles that uh, came out of the Protestant Reformation that were really recovered by the Reformers. We stand on God's Word alone. We're saved by God's sovereign grace alone. Uh, through the finished work of Christ alone, received uh, by faith alone. Uh, and I trust you've enjoyed getting reacquainted uh, with these over the last month. It's a beautiful trail, but it's taking us somewhere. It's taking us to a grand overlook. Uh, and that's where we're going we're gonna to be today. Uh, it's Soli Deo Gloria. It's the climax, the purpose of the journey. It's really what it's all about. What my journey is about, what your journey is about, what our journey as a, fa- uh, a family of faith, as a church, is really all about. Um, these principles were, were studied. It was the banner of the Reformation. They all landed in the same place. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be glory. And you left uh, last week with the words of Paul in Romans 11 ringing in your ears. And that's where we're going to return this morning. Uh, I'm going to ask you to stand with me um, right now. And these verses are printed for you in your bulletin. And I'd like us to read this beautiful doxology together. Uh, in unison this morning. So please read along with me, Romans 11, beginning at verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments, and how inscrutable His ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. Lord God, we are overwhelmed at these words. Lord, we thank You that You have given us this Word, that we might understand just a little bit better who You are. Lord, work this Word into our heart as we contemplate with our own finite ability, your majesty and your glory, that you, O God, are the point of all things, the point of our lives, the point of our time here this morning. We thank you that you've gathered us. Speak faithfully now through your servant. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we might know you more, lean into you and trust you more through this time in your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. This last week, we uh, wrapped up another World Series, which is baseball, for those of you who think there's any other sport besides that. And, um, and it had me thinking a little bit, of, so I had baseball on the brain this last week, and it, 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 it dropped another scene from the College World Series a couple of years ago, where there were a couple of gals who uh, made a wager that they were going to run out onto the field during one of the innings of the College World Series. And they were going to take a video of themselves doing this. And uh, they followed through on the wager. 
And so they're running out on the field and they're, they're holding up their camera while they're doing this. And it shows the grounds crew coming and tackling them and they're just smiling uh, while this is happening. And uh, as I watched that video again and I thought, you know, I wonder if these gals uh, really considered the thousands of other people that were there didn't come there to see them do that. They came there to watch a baseball game. Uh, these, these gals were not the point as to why they all gathered there, as much as they thought they were in that moment. Uh, and then that video went viral and they got their few, minute, few minutes of fame uh, that they were looking for. Um, I think the nature of our sin has always trapped us in this age, but with the growing of technology, the ease of technology, the age of the selfie, the age of I'm the point. And we're bombarded by this same message from the world, every commercial you see, uh, the flesh, here's what feels good right now, and the devil, <laughs> you'll be like God. Look at me, I'm the point. And what we fail to grasp in this selfie age is that if we are constantly gazing at our own faces and we're the point, then that's as far as we get. We have little purpose, little to really aspire to and to motivate us for what is good and right and beautiful. And I think the unfolding of God's great story, history shows us that we will never rise higher than our view of God. In our sin, in our idolatrous hearts, we are God, and so we will never rise higher, pursue more than the whims of our autonomous self. And I don't think it's entirely lost in the church, but in so many ways we have lost a sense of God's glory. His awesome majesty, His character, His work. A great preacher is Charles Spurgeon said that thinking about God and His glory improves and expands our minds. He is high and lifted up in our midst. He alone is worthy of all of the praise and adoration that we can possibly give to Him. The psalmist exhorts us, Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. Yet how often do we exchange, Be still and know that I am God, for be still and take a selfie. Our lives are not about look at me. They're about look at Him. Look at the splendor and honor and majesty, greatness of God. And give Him the praise that is His due. Your life and mine is about the fame of God, not ours. It's about His reputation, not ours. And so the Reformers fought for this sense of awe. On who God is. They had a zeal for God's glory. Soli Deo Gloria was the point of all of life. And it transformed life in the church. It transformed life in the family. Transformed all of society. So as we consider what this means this morning, we're going to use Romans 11 as that launching off point. We need to properly order our understanding of God's glory. God has all glory in and of Himself. And then we give Him all glory because of this. In those first 11 chapters of Romans Paul is 
laying out the Lord's great plan of redemption. He gets specific. He talks about how we are justified before the Creator God, how we are adopted into His family in Christ. You think, well, how does Paul respond to this? What would be the right response? To God's mercy, who takes both Jew and Gentile, crafts them into one family as his treasured possession. I know how I would typically respond to that. Hey, check this out. Isn't this sweet that we've put this all together? I mean, I've got this order of salvation down. That's not how, that's not how Paul responds. He lifts his heart, he lifts his voice, he lifts his pen to honor and praise, holy reverence to the glory of God. Paul does not glory in what he knows. He glories in what little understanding we have of God. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments. How inscrutable His ways. So you and I can't go to this extreme. We can't go deep enough to uncover the wisdom and knowledge of God. Think how much time we spend trying to do that. Or how much time is really wasted trying to understand the mind of God. That's impossible for us. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been His counselor? You know, Satan claims to understand the mind of God. Genesis 3, verse 5. And not just you know, on an equal plane as God, he claims to know more than God. You won't surely die. I know God said that, but you won't. You'll be like Him. We claim to know better than God. And if we know better than God, then we are the authority and we're the ones worthy of worship. Who has known the mind of the Lord? God is not indebted to us. Verse 35. He doesn't owe any of His creation anything. He has all glory in Himself. Then we get to verse 36. Really, it's this blanket statement that God is the point of it all. From Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. He is Alpha. He is the beginning. All of creation is His conception. He owns it. He has the copyrights to it all. Psalm 24. We read, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. It is from Him. It is through Him. God carries out the ordering of His creation. He accomplishes our salvation in all of its fullness. Nothing helps Him with this. No one helps Him with this. In 1 Corinthians 8, after Paul is commenting on how the church is to treat food offered to idols, he says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. Later in Colossians 1, For by Him, that is Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. God's glory is seen in Christ. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. But God accomplishes our salvation in full for His glory. From Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. God is the goal. His motivation in creating and saving is found entirely in Himself. 
The Lord God made a world suitable for us to, to live in and to exercise His reign. But ultimately, the world isn't made for us. It's made for Him, for His glory. I love how one commentator puts this message of verse 36. It's a nice, tidy sentence. God is the source of all that we have. He enables all that we do, and He is the goal of all that we are. I'll say it again in case you want to write that down. God is the source of all that we have. He enables all that we do, and He is the goal of all that we are. We ascribe glory to God because it is already His. We give Him glory because He's glorious. He doesn't need us to glorify Him in order to be glorious. He has all this power. He has all the majesty and beauty. So let's be careful not to make Soli Deo Gloria about us. He doesn't need us. It's our joy. It's our purpose. It is our life to worship Him and to acknowledge what is already His. And because He's glorious, we give Him all the glory. That's the order, the, the proper response for all creatures and for human beings in particular in giving glory to God. The creation glorifies God, but it's very existence, doing the things that God created it to do. But you and I glorify God personally, with our hearts, with our minds. Before Pastor Richard Baxter, he said, the Lord made all things for himself, but man was made to worship him actively and affectionately. He's predestined and created for this purpose. So God has communicated to us uniquely the word that we've read this morning. He's, he has taken on flesh and redeemed His own uniquely. No other creature can glorify God the way you and I can. And even though God's image is it's, it's broken, it's tarnished in us, as Francis Schaeffer said, we're those glorious ruins. God is glorified in us simply because He made us. He's glorified in renewing and rebuilding us uh, to worship Him for His glory alone. So we give Him all glory for who He is, first of all. Maybe familiar with Westminster uh, Catechism, that question and answer. If not, this is a, a good one to commit to memory. Uh, question four, what is God or who is God? God is spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in His being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, truth. That's who God is. That is the only one worthy of our worship. One of the men that I met at Christ Church in Michigan this last year, he put together a devotional where he used one word to summarize what each book of the Bible taught. And his idea was to to read this word, to hear this word in song, to have this word you know, before those who were going through this devotion. And I won't give you all 66 words, but listen to these descriptions from the beginning of the Old Testament to the end of the New Testament. He, he uh, starts each one of them. Jesus, be my breath. Jesus, be my deliverer. Be my peace, my life my courage, my rescue, my redeemer, my position, my prosperity, my judge, my forgiveness. Be my restoration, my success, my supply, 
my lamp, my wisdom, my meaning, my lover, my hope, my shelter, my relief, my endurance, my walk, my testimony, my dwelling. The Lord God in the face of Christ is all of these things and more. It's who He is and we glorify Him. We give Him all glory for who He is and what He has made. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Night after night, it shows forth knowledge in Psalm 19. Remember how Paul starts this letter in Romans? He starts here and then he ends in this doxology. For God's invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Do you know there are about 100 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy alone? I don't know how scientists come up with this. They just round it to 100, I think. 100 billion stars just in the Milky Way. And then they calculate there's 100 billion galaxies in the known universe. So that's more stars than every grain of sand on the beaches of the world put together. If you're going to travel across just the Milky Way galaxy at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, um, it takes you 100,000 years. The U.S. launched the Voyager probe back in 1977, so it's been out there a while. And it's poking along at 39,000 miles per hour. It's going to take 296,000 years. We won't have to worry about this. 296,000 years for it to reach the brightest star we see every night. Now that's just the cosmos. That's just the macro level. Think about the the micro level for a second. I don't have as many facts on this, but I learned there are some 300 million, actually more than that, 300,000 million of those tiny capillaries, those little blood cells, just in our lungs. So if you take all those, that's 1,500 miles of little capillaries, just in your lungs. We have over 100 trillion cells in our body, each one weighing less than one billionth of a gram. The Creator God knows each one of the cells, each one of the stars. He's given us the ability to to study and contemplate this for our own fame, for our own selfie fame. No, for His majesty, His power and splendor, it is clearly seen. All men are without excuse in giving Him glory. We give Him all glory for what He has done for us, who He is, what He has made, and what He has done for His people In Exodus 15, Moses and the people of Israel give glory to God for His power and His deliverance. They saw it. They saw it firsthand that there's no other God who could do what He's done. So they start to sing. They start to dance. The people of Israel could take no credit when the walls of Jericho fell. Shout, Joshua said, the Lord has given you the city. Look at what He's done. He has delivered. He has rescued His people. He's rescued us. He's restoring all that He has made in Jesus. Ephesians 1, we read part of this this morning. In Him, we've obtained an inheritance. 
predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. God is glorified in the saving of sinful people. He is glorified in the judging of sinful people. Remember, says the prophet Isaiah, remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient time things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. To God alone be glory. You think that still matters? It seems kind of silly just to ask the question, doesn't it? We may have to look a little deeper in this selfie age, but this principle, the purpose of soli deo gloria, has every implication for our worldview. If God has made it all from Him, through Him, and to Him, then He's the point of it all. That puts all of life into perspective, all of my life, all of your life, all of your neighbor's lives. It's not ultimately about me. Your life is not about you. It's about Him. He's the point. And if God is the point, then there is a point to all that we do. And we know this question and answer. We Man's chief end, to glorify God, enjoy Him forever. Not just for a few minutes, not just for 70, 80, 90 years, however many years the Lord gives you. Forever, because He's the point. And we live before His face continually. This gives great purpose to life. It gives us hope in a life where so much seems well, self-centered and shallow. A culture that's far too easily satisfied. If life is about our own personal gain, it's about our own happiness and security, having lots of people at a funeral, what a miserable existence that is. Just think about that. Like chasing after the wind. What's the point of that? And there's so much that can just rip that happiness away like that. In the, uh, in the last decade, in the progress of the last 10 years, we've seen the suicide rate in the United States go up about 30%, sometimes higher or lower, depending on what demographic we look at. It's becoming legal in more and more places around the world for doctors to assist, to help others in taking their own lives. It grieves the heart of God. I mean, really flipping the medical ethic upside down. We want to help you, but rather than addressing the real issues with care and counsel, we'll help kill you. We do this as human beings in our idolatry. We decide who lives or dies. We play God. Soli Deo Gloria speaks right into this. God has made us to enjoy Him, to make Him look big in our lives, even when we are weighed down in suffering. And when we're elated with His gifts. But His gifts include the suffering. And see, this, we don't want to hear this. this. We hate this part. Because we know better. But our lives are lived through Him. He, he knows what gives Him glory. He knows how we can enjoy Him more. 
But here's something profound. Actually, it's not all that profound if God alone receives the glory. Everything that glorifies God is good for us. Everything. To follow Him in obedience, to uphold His name, to uphold His reputation. Now, for us, it seems unfair at times. It hurts. It's harsh. Think of Job. Think of the psalmist. Psalm 73, he's looking at the prosperity of the wicked. He says, look, they don't have any problems. Life is good. They're healthy. They're wealthy. They're just getting more. I mean, what's the point? I'm trying to keep my heart pure. Trying to obey. And then he goes into the house of the Lord. Into worship. And he is recalibrated. He discerns the end for the wicked. And he thinks to himself, this envy, this jealousy that I have, what am I, what am I thinking? God is my strength. God is my refuge. God is my portion forever. I'm going to tell of His works. It's about Him, not about the me that I get caught up with so much. When all of life is about the glory of God, then every thought, every word, every response is a way to either honor Him or dishonor Him. Lord Jesus shows us this in an extraordinary way. You know, if anyone could have lived for their own glory, it would be Jesus. And rightfully so. He's the the God-man. Everything exists through Him, for Him. Yet Jesus does not live for Himself. He lives in obedience to the Father for the Father's glory. And by doing this, He receives glory. Listen to how this develops in John's Gospel. John chapter 8, the Jews are accusing Jesus. Jesus, who do you think you are? Are you greater than our father Abraham? And he responds in verse 54, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And in John chapter 11, a couple chapters later, after hearing that his friend Lazarus has died, Jesus says, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. A couple chapters later in 13, at the last meal with his disciples, Judas Iscariot has left to betray him. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. And finally in John 17, pours out his heart to the Father. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. God's glory is seen in the face of Christ. His glory in the humiliation of Jesus on that cross and His exaltation from the grave, now sitting at the right hand of the Father in full glory. And by faith, we're united to Christ. By faith, this glory is ours. As we submit to the Father, seeking His glory is our glory. I mean, we like the glory of men. We're always looking for you know, that hero, someone to trust, someone to depend on to save the day. Let's look to God as a hero He already is. Trusting Him, pursuing Him is the one who has secured our salvation for His glory.
There's nothing that gives greater meaning to life than soli deo gloria. Uh, this is the biblical worldview that the reformers pushed. Um, if all of life is lived before the face of God, if it's all you know, from Him, through Him, and to Him, then all of life is worship. An emphasis on soli deo gloria really recovered the corporate worship of God's people. Um, now they could come together and they, they would worship in accordance with the Scriptures. It was full of biblical content. Remember how Luther had a tremendous influence on congregational singing. Sometimes he's referred to as the father of congregational singing. Now people could praise in a way that they could understand. They had a common way to praise. Calvin put a melody to each of the Psalms in the Geneva Psalter. That hit the shelves in 1562, the first Geneva Psalter. So our hymn books today really carry on this commitment of common praise and a song that is filled with biblical content. You're saying, well, I don't see a, a Psalter hymnal in front of me. I don't see a book. Um, and you're right. We've um, copied our hymns into the order of service. But this is being looked at very carefully right now. Uh, we hope to include more of you uh, in this discussion as time uh, goes on. But it's desire of the session to see hymn books in front of you again uh, in the near future. To glorify God, the sacraments we're going to partake in just a few minutes. They had to be understood. They had to be simplified in a way that, that folks could participate. To show that it was Christ alone who intercedes for us. So God's glory shapes corporate worship. It also shapes our work, our play, our family life begins to break down these categories between a, a sacred and a secular. Those walls were very high um, in the, the Middle Ages. And we're that way right into the time of the Reformation. There was the high and holy work of God, and there was the low sort of work you had to do to make a living. Um, reformers pushed back, saying that all legitimate work is done for the glory of God. So... The mailman, the lawyer, the soldier, the student, the teacher, the driver, the artist, all are fulfilling their responsibilities for the glory of God. The most famous examples of this is Johann Sebastian Bach. Uh, he would write SDG on the bottom of every one of his musical scores. Not just you know, the Passion of St. Matthew or one that seemed religious. Everyone, to God be the glory. If you've seen the, the film Chariots of Fire and Eric Little was on his way to bring the gospel to China, but he also knew that God made him a really fast runner. When I run, I can feel his pleasure. Using the gifts God has given us for his glory, this is a way that, that we enjoy him. And yes, this means that filling the dishwasher again, cleaning the bathrooms, taking out the trash, mowing the lawn is done for the glory of God. Paul reminds us, we read it earlier, whether you eat or drink, all that you do, you do for the glory of God. Now that does not mean that you are putting SDG on the bottom of every affidavit or every uh, contract or every letter. It doesn't mean that you have to have all the verses of Amazing Grace or Mighty Fortress going through your mind as you're putting the dishes away, as helpful as that might be sometimes. Um, we give God glory 
foremost in the attitude of our hearts. Are we, are we bitter, disgruntled? Or do we see this activity as a way to, to help and to serve others, to edify others, as a way to care for the world around us? Are we doing our work well? Are we being good stewards of the time that God has given us, at work, at home, and the time in between? There's never a moment that we are hidden from the face of God. We live before Him and for His glory. A passion for God's glory really liberated the arts. I'd love to spend more time talking about this, but the visual arts, musicians, now they were encouraged to use their skills. There was this elevation of the ordinary. So they, they could be inspired by what it is they saw in creation. They could be inspired by others. When commenting on this Reformation view, uh, Francis Schaeffer said, if God made the flowers, they are worth painting and worth writing about. Also sparked major changes in education. In order to understand the scriptures, folks had to be able to read. And so there was a push for education in order to be able to study the Bible, to study the rest of created order. Also see a real reformation of family life and family worship when the glory of God is central. In the Middle Ages, most of the, the religious activities, certainly the prayers, were done at, at a monastery. They were, they were done outside the home. But where you see the Reformation taking root and spreading, that began to shift back to the family. So now dignity and honor is given back to, to male and female, the role of husband and wife within the family. Children are considered not just a liability, but, but a gift from God to be nurtured and trained. Each family was, was considered a little church. Family worship really became a hallmark uh, in those places where the Reformation took root. Do you think, do you think this needs attention today? Um, can we use any reforming in this area? What does your family worship look like? I say that not to guilt you, because family worship is going to look different as seasons change, as your family changes. But I'm not asking whether you have it or not. But what does it look like? From Him, through Him, and to Him. God cares about it all. It is all for His glory. A Dutch theologian, politician, Abraham Kuyper he claimed that this worldview that came out of the Protestant Reformation was the only coherent, cohesive worldview for a modern people. So the gospel of faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, for the glory of God alone, answers the fundamental questions of life and satisfies the deepest longings of the human soul. That's what the Reformers tackled, head on. Very tough questions, but common questions. Who am I? What is, what is the point? What's the purpose? And they all came back to the same place. Soli Deo Gloria. We still need that reformation. I'm praying for it. I hope you're praying for it. Um, pray that it would start right here in our own hearts. Um, as we seek God's glory, we seek to put, to live before His face every day. Not just for the next selfie. And that's where that true revival, that's where that reformation 
is going to take place. All right, let's go, uh, let's go to the table be fed with more of this glorious gospel. Lord, we do thank you for your word. The time that we have spent in considering these great principles that have come out of the Reformation, those who have gone before us, and so many, generation after generation, and upholding the truth of your word, leaning into your grace, celebrating and worshiping you, for you are glorious. Lord, as we come to your table now, imprint this truth upon our hearts, as we give you glory, as we celebrate together and are reminded of the union that we have in the Lord Jesus. Um, Be glorified in our worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.